A cargo-class ship completes the complicated security protocols before it's allowed to dock on the unregistered station. Out the right window, the pilot can still see the large sphere of the planet the station orbits, your next destination. So few people get the clearance to know that the planet or the station even exist, let alone travel between them. But you, you're one of those few. The first, you've got to see that the supplies for the station get unloaded, and then they'll load planet-bound cargo. So while you oversee this unloading process, Dixon, why don't you describe yourself? So, um, Dixon Myers is a average guy of, like, of a very average-looking build. Um, he's got uh, dark hair that's borderline graying in certain areas due to the stress of, I don't know, space traffic and just cargo times and perhaps even boredom stress because I've heard of that recently. It's got a bit of a stubble going on, uh, tired eyes. Uh, he wears a hat of some sort, definitely one of those vests with like a million pockets and a belt that means business. It takes some time, but eventually your cargo hold is emptied out, and you see a team of people wheel in a large sealed container about half the size of your hold. They never send more than one down to the planet at a time. The first few times, this experience was intriguing. The contents of the crate mysterious, especially when it would hiss or rock. When you found out what was in the containers, well, that was certainly an exciting day. Frightening. Exhilarating. Exciting. But it's been two years now of the exact same trip and the exact same cargo, and the thrill has worn away to routine. And today, the crate isn't even moving. What do you do while they're loading it up? I do not pay much attention because this is honestly the usual. I mean, by by no means is is what I'm doing on this job anything extraordinary. Perhaps the most extraordinary thing is the cargo itself. Um, I'm just I'm like the third party middleman. I'm not even the middle middleman. Um, the one that comes after. Or rather, I guess you could say before. It's just just another day in, day out kind of scenario. I don't even think I need to count or properly check inventory. I feel like we got the tech is high enough, or that is even perhaps above my pay grade, considering how precious the cargo is. I literally am just there to make sure that it um, doesn't get too jostled on the trip and that it gets to and from. So I'm probably just sitting uh yeah you are doing all of that or rather not doing any of that the there's a moment where the team that is moving the crate fall out of sync with one another somebody slips their shoes starting to lose traction um and it sort of just swings the crate towards you a little bit the head of security is standing there overseeing this entire process as she always does. Cassidy Ellis. Alyssa, would you like to describe your character as well? 
Yeah, so Cassidy Ellis stands sort of watchful nearby Dixon, nearby the crate unloading. She's a tall, broad woman, close to six feet, um, wearing standard issue sort of personnel armor, um, rigid padded vest, ballistic pad, uh, like clasped to her hip is a stun baton. She has very, like, standard-issue uh, shaved hair. However, non-regulation are the piercings in her face, um, both eyebrow and nose. She has done this enough that it's not... I think that she's not on the sort of high alert that she was when she started at this position, but is alert enough that... When the box starts to tilt, when someone loses their footing, she sort of moves to jump in if necessary. Yeah, so you see it moving towards Dixon. Uh, Dixon, what do you you do as the crate comes near you? Oh gosh, I, I, I think what happens is it's like my it's like I can't decide. Like my body wants to do one thing, my brain wants to do another, and then I want to do something completely different from the three. So it's it just kind of looks like it looks like a like like a hesitate a hesitant dodge slash help where like one arm is kind of flimsily trying to keep it from falling onto me whereas like my feet move out of the way and so it's like half my lower half of the body is out of the way my upper half is on the other one i am standing in a strange diagonal and um then i just kind of go watch it that shit falls over to my paycheck not yours any response from Cassidy or from the uh, administrative, the administrative overseer, overseer is the wrong word too, but we're going to go with it, um, who is also standing by to like manage the paperwork of this transfer as she always is. Every transfer comes in, makes notes on the paperwork. Um, yeah, uh, Ruby is a woman in her probably mid-30s, uh, you know, sort of slight build, long, dark hair that's currently pulled back into a tight bun, impeccable makeup, wearing a nice pair of dress shoes, uh, black slacks, and a black uh, button-up shirt with currently the sleeves are rolled up to her elbows. She was wearing a very nice jacket earlier, but... Uh, a little warm today uh here so you know kind of ditched that and I, i've got a pad in my hand making notes uh i look up at the commotion and just kind of huff a little bit and make a note on the pad and then look back down if that thing falls dixon we have a bigger problem than just your paycheck yeah but that thing falls and it's my paycheck that goes first not me uh you see one of the other Mm, security people who have been like moving the the crate kind of like try to elbow you out of the way and straighten up the crate um and as they do they sort of move around the back corner of it to like pull it straight again and realign it with the ship um and 
Dixon, you probably wouldn't notice this because you get elbowed just enough that you're turned to talk to Cassidy, who was reprimanding you. Um, Cassidy, though, you can make an observation roll for me. That is three. Three successes, yeah. Um, you see that some point between the moment when the crate shifted and was pushed back and Dixon pushed away from the crate, made contact with the crate and pushed away, that there is now this growing, rapidly growing hole in the side. And I think that is about all you get to see um, before this almost spear-like object punctures through that hole, blasting it further open um, and pierces through your chest, Dixon. Um, so I need everyone to take stress as the tail starts to yank Dixon back against the crate and is trying to pull him through that very small hole in the crate that's not meant for a human body, but it is getting bigger. What do you do? I spit out, I spit out blood. Uh, Ruby, Ruby sees this and it's uh, it's a slight panic. Um, am I able to do any kind of lockdown from my tablets? Uh, yes, you can in, uh, in, in enact a lockdown. Um, you would also have on hand, um, either you or Cassidy, one of you would on, have on hand um, a little signal box uh, that's supposed to uh, react with the neutralizer. Um, but you haven't ever used one before. But you should, one of you should have it on hand. Cassidy, which one, do, which one of us do you think has it? You. Okay. Uh, and this is supposed to neutralize the thing? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, seeing it not having, it, never having used it before, uh, but being told that this is what I need to do if this happens, um, I will definitely, uh, it's probably in the pocket of my slacks or something, and I'll, I'll grab it, and, uh, if there's a button to press, I'll press a button. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna need you to... Make me a mobility check in this moment of high stress as you watch the blood splurt from your coworker not two seconds ago, um, and containment is has been breached. Um, in that moment of taking the stress into your role, mobility check in order to dig it out of your pocket quickly and without dropping it. That is, uh, I rolled a, a one on that stress die. Roll, make a panic roll, even though you can only get one result here, but go ahead and roll it anyway. <laughs> um, so I got Nervous Twitch. Your stress level and the stress level of all friendly PCs within short range of you increases by one. Can I declare now that I hit you so that I don't take stress? Yeah, so everybody take more stress. Um, as you pull out the, the neutralizer and you drop it and it goes skittering across the floor. Um, Cassidy, what are you doing? Cassidy is not even thinking of the neutralizer. She grabs the stun baton from her belt and is going to attempt to shock the tail, hopefully, like, getting it to stop moving. Okay. Um, it is 
punctured through Dixon. So whatever you shock with the tail will probably also affect Dixon. So honestly, you're not sure if you're getting Dixon back out of this anyway. I was going to say it's punctured through his chest. I do not have high hopes for this man. There's a doctor on board. She's busy, but she's on board. Uh, yeah, go ahead and make a close combat roll for me. Okay, so that's zero successes. Zero successes. Um, what does push do? Push means you can roll it again. Um, anything that was not a success, you can re-roll, but you take stress before you roll it. Okay, I will push this attack. Do it. That's two successes. Two successes. Uh, yeah, you bring down the baton against the uh, the tail, and it shocks through both of them. Um, there is a fun little thing about these particular creatures, um, as is that they are they're immune to most things. Um, but it does. You do hear it like scream on the inside. Not not a scream of pain. This is just a scream of annoyance. Um, and you see claws reaching through on either side of that hole that it's trying to pull Dixon through, um, wrap around the outside, and start to pull it open and drag in Dixon a little further. Um, Dixon, what are you doing? Other than dying, but like... Well, firstly, um, I I'm able to, to come back enough to look at Cassidy and go, fuck you! Oh! And and I I think what I'd like to do is I'd like to pull out my gun, okay. <laughs> my, and and um, uh, attempt to shoot at it. Like I'm trying to still escape, uh, thinking that I can I could totally survive this flesh wound. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna need you to make a ranged combat roll at a minus two because you're aiming for something behind you that you're blocking most of the way to get to it, and also you've been stabbed. I should make it minus three, frankly, I should, but I'm being I'm being a little kind because we just started. Um, okay, one success, not on the stress die. Okay, um, you at least get to shoot um, the, 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 what is pulling you into the crate, um, and you manage to shoot it and not yourself, um, but you're not, you feel in this moment very confident that you knocked it off. Um, yeah, so you managed to impact it, um, and we're going to jump back to uh, Ruby. Um, I'm going to <laughs> run after the uh, the neutralizer, um, okay. because yeah, no, um, uh, if I have to put a thing on lockdown, that's paperwork. You already have paperwork. You have a corpse. Yeah, soon to be have, corpse. I'm gonna have paperwork, but then it's gonna be more paperwork if I have to put it on lockdown. Yeah, and the fewer corpses, the less paperwork, and hopefully exactly. not you. You would like to not join the corpses. Yes, I would not like to join the corpses. So I'm gonna run after the neutralizer and attempt to grab it. Sure. Uh, give me another mobility check as you do. That is two successes. Two successes, yeah. You run, you skitter across the floor, you scoop down, you pick it up, um, you press the button. Um, across the way, Dixon, you feel acid burning through your uniform, um, burning through your skin. Metal is cutting against your flesh as you're being pulled through the opening. Um, you are feeling the, the 
the harpoon essentially in your gut, like just tightening around you. Um, the shot that you did sprayed you with acid, which is burning you from the back. Um, and the opening is like, it's way too small. So you're kind of being like crunched through it. There is a screech from within. Uh, Cassidy, take us away. What's the last thing you do here? I think the last thing we see is Cassidy um, picking up. Cassidy lifts up that sun baton and attempts to basically jab it between the claws and the crate in a last-ditch effort to get it to not be ripping this crate apart. <laughs> Give me one last close combat roll. Two successes, one... Oh, no, three successes. Three successes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so you drag it in there, you push it through, and between the like sparks of electricity and the actual force of the thing, and the neutralizer maybe starting to take effect, um, there is a moment where the, the flurry inside the crate intensifies, and then all at once it goes still, and Dixon's body falls to the ground. And in that silence, we will leave you all. to the cold, unfeeling expanse of space. Goblets and gays have returned to the world of Alien using Free League Press's incredible Alien RPG with this, the second season of Mother May I. My name is Ferris, I use she, her pronouns, and I am honored to be back as your game mother. This is episode one. Paycheck goes first. Now then, we have a new crew to meet. So please say hello to the stalwart crew of the USCC, Hera. Hello, I am Dusty. I use they, he pronouns, and I'm going to be playing Caroline Lowe, who uses she, her pronouns, and is the mercenary. Hello, I am Navar. I use he, him pronouns, and I am going to be playing Tank Mechi, who also uses he, him pronouns, and he is the pilot. Hello, I am Mimi, also known as Michelle Jones, and I am going to be playing Daniel Strauss, the company man. You want to know a fact about space? Light travels 300,000 meters per second. Round it up. Sound doesn't travel at all. And the stars we look at at, oof. Some of them have been dead longer than we've been alive. Facts about space, they can make you love it. But there's not a fact in the world that can make space love you back. But you should know that already, shouldn't you, Daniel? 
Sitting across from you, Daniel, in a packed, tiny office that smells like cigarette smoke and sugar, is Cynthia Bugsley, union representative and captain of the USCC Hera. More than that, she's one of the people who built the union. Dressed in well-worn but clean mechanic coveralls, her 5'2 height may fool you, but they are strong enough to throw a man and built like a power lifter. Squeezed in behind your tiny chair and the door is Caroline Lowe, your bodyguard, though at the moment, her presence isn't maybe as comforting as you want it to be. Bugsley snaps a hockey stick between their teeth, then continues. Now if I had it my way, you wouldn't be here, not sitting across from me, not getting on my ship, and certainly not coming along. But the company insists, so what can I do? I'd like to just chuck you out the airlock and call it a systems malfunction. She glances at Caroline. But lucky for you, I'm nicer than the company. I'm going to choose to ignore yeah. that last comment. No, 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 no. Shush. You've got three rules to follow here. One, you do what I say, when I say, and we'll do just fine. Same goes for anyone I deputize in my place should the situation arise. Two, keep your evangelizing between your ears. I don't want to hear about how great the company is, and I don't want to see you telling anyone else about it either. We already know all we need to know. Three, if anything happens to me or my crew after this, accidents, disappearances, firing, I want you to think long and hard about how many friends you think you really have and how many friends you think I have. Just do a little math in your head before sending any reports off. Same goes for you, Lo. I had to kick a valuable crew member off this mission to clear space for you two, so I expect weight to be pulled and rules to be followed. Space ain't gonna love you, and neither am I. We clear here? Yes, Mrs. Bugsley, we are clear. Then piss off and send the rest of them in. What a bucket full of joy. Out. And uh, just gets up and heads to the door and just on the way out. You know, the reason I'm here is to ensure there are no accidents. Out. out. I, yep, I see the look. Out. Uh, Dan, you step out of the cramped office that was probably originally a storage closet into a busy, noisy ship hangar. The scent of metal and grease and coffee fills the air in a tangy, weird blend. To one side, sparks fly off a ship as someone dangles off the side, welding apart into place. Another person shouts at them three or four times before they hear and the cutting torch cuts off as they redirect their attention below. And just under their perch, in a lovingly stenciled script, you can read the words USCC Hera. Immediately outside the office waits a group of three spacers standing around, chatting in low voices. They all give you a very hard stare as you pass by. Uh, Daniel and Caroline, would you kindly describe yourselves? Yeah, Daniel is... About five nine, five ten, uh, average height guy. Uh, so 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 pale. You're not sure he has seen the sun in years. Uh, he's wearing 
this very nice tailored suit. Uh, he's got a gold watch. It was a gift from the company. A leather briefcase. Uh, his hair is like short, brown, gelled back in like this very slick, uh, very clean cut look. And he is, he stands tall, a little bit stiff, like, like he, as a teenager, probably was like forced to take, like forced to pay a lot of attention to his posture and it's just stuck with him for the rest of his life. Um, Caroline is a little bit on the taller side. I'd say maybe like six one or so. Um, uh, definitely like dark tan skin, uh, but you don't really see much because she's wearing like a full, um, basically like a jumpsuit, but it has some mishmash of weird like digital camo going around it, wearing like. Um, basically like combat boots that go knee high that have like the shin guards on them very like sleek black and polished like they've been taken care of um, and she has long blonde hair um, in like one of those long ponytails but like it still goes like down to the shoulder uh, looks like she has like a 12-step makeup routine face care routine because she does um and that is also contrasted with the heavy assault rifle that she's carrying on her shoulder what do two of you do as you leave the office of bugsley so i think i'm just trying to stay as out of the way as possible um, and when there's no one like if in direct earshot, um, I say to Carolina, you know, I, I'm used to people not being excited to see HR, but this is something else. Really? You didn't think a bunch of spacers would be, you know, very upsetty to see HR? I mean... I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions about what it is that HR does. And I feel really, I think if they would just hear me out, we could avoid a lot of hostility. Oh, I can't wait for someone to hear you out. <laughs> oh, thank you. Do they have like a lounge or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, um, cause this is like a, on like a planet side hanger like a not quite a public hanger but not quite a private hanger either so there's like a communal cafeteria there's a little lounge area with like a single pinball machine that doesn't always release the ball at all when you do the little slot thing um but if you shake it hard enough sometimes it'll work if you shake it really hard you don't even need a quarter well maybe we should go to like the lounge just the, if we're out of their way, the faster they could get us on the ship. Oh uh, yeah, sure. Um, it'd be nice to get a, get a cup of coffee. You're gonna love this coffee. It has the same consistency as tar. Ah, uh, I mean, I've had break room coffee before. I'm sure it can't be that bad. <sighs> oh, it's gonna be fun. It is that bad. 
Dan uh, yeah. takes Dan takes about two sips and it goes just like very just puts down the cup without saying anything and it's just like so anyway. Pink, you watch the company rep and his actual bodyguard walk off. The Hera's engineer, Benson, watches them leave without comment. Not an unusual occurrence for him. But Martin, the ship's science and communications officer, can't quite do the same. Uh, Tugging at the disheveled tie around his neck, he says, can't believe Bugsley's actually letting them on board. Hmm. Well, I, uh, I imagine he's got a good reason. It might, but geez. It's like, ugh, ugh. it's just gross. I, I agree. Uh, don't get me wrong, but we all got jobs to do. And if we just got to add a little extra space for somebody, then we got to add a little extra space for somebody. That's what Bugsy says. That's what we got to do. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, adding a little space for two of them means one of us probably not on it anymore. That's true. That's true. It's a good thing I'm the pilot. Yeah, yeah, you're sort of indispensable, I'm aware. It's gonna be me. It's gonna be me. It's gonna suck. Well, listen, if it is you, and I'm not saying that it is you, because I don't know, uh, I hope you enjoy your time here. Yeah, right. All right, all right, all right. She's gonna have a cow if we stand out here any longer. Yeah, I guess I should go do some systems checks. And I think Tank is going to head towards the ship to do whatever I have to do to get them. Uh, Before Uh, you do, you should probably check in with Bugsley, as you know that uh, she was waiting to talk to you all after she spoke with the company reps. Um, But go ahead, actually, Tank. Uh, Describe yourself as the three of you squeeze into Bugsley's tiny office, a place which... Let's be honest, you probably wouldn't be having the conversation here were it not for Daniel Strauss and his bodyguard. You would be mm-hmm. sitting comfortably on the Hera, probably with beers, but no. Anyway, take it away. Yeah, I think, especially in this small space, Tank takes up a lot of it. Um, he's six foot one and he's pretty jacked. Uh, he has like these high cheekbones and this gap between his teeth uh and he's a black man with a a low fade um and he has these very pleasant smile lines around his eyes um and i think he's just kind of like in like some utility pants he has boots on and like a skin tight um long sleeve and he yeah he he carries two pistols on either side of his hips and uh, walks in, walks into Bugsy's office. Mm-hmm. Benson and Martin squeeze in next to you. And I don't think Tank notices or acknowledges how much space he takes up with his broad frame. For sure. Uh, I think on the ship, it's barely even noticeable. Yeah. It's just in this tiny little office. <laughs> um, and Bugsy looks dejected isn't the right word. Something in the realm of irritated and depressed. Um, and she pulls out a fresh pocky stick and just kind of like snaps it into pieces before eating each little piece. And then finally says, you've all had the chance to meet our guests. Get your griping out now because I don't want to hear any of it out there. 
uh, I don't think Tank moves like is eye contact. He just is like waiting for for her to go on. Yeah, I think Martin does like start start complaining, just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're gonna do this. This is a game. you know, just goes off for like just like 30 seconds before, you know, uh, Bugsley raises a hand and, and he falls silent. Um, Benson, for his part, doesn't doesn't outwardly complain. You know, in private, he'll have a word or two, but mostly he's going to keep it to himself. Uh, and then Bugsley continues. I've already told Wix she's on leave. It's unfortunate, but we've only got so many sleeper pods. Mm. This is pretty surprising news to you, I would think, because even if you did already do the math, um, namely because Wix is Hera's medic. Mm. In fact, you had, I would assume, figured this conversation was going to be finding out who was getting left off the job. Yeah. Uh, Wix is the last person you were expecting. Forgive me, Bugsley, but are you suggesting that you're not concerned about any medical needs with the crew? Um, Bugsley kind of taps a finger on the desk and then says, well, I won't go that far. It's more of a matter of what else I think will need more. So if it comes down to it, I can step in. I'm not just good for running things around here. Now, our company representatives aren't the only complication with this one. Officially, it's a salvage job way out of the frontier. Unofficially, I don't know exactly what kind of salvage we're going to find. I wanted to do this off the books, but company wouldn't give me enough leave to do it on my own time, so I'm doing it on theirs. This doesn't leave this room, understood? And she gives all of you like a really hard look. Yeah, Tank nods. And the other two nod as well. Uh, Martin almost like starts to speak and then realizes no one else is speaking (laughs) and like draws it back in. Uh, Bugsley continues. I got a message a couple weeks back and I'll be upfront. I don't know how legitimate it is. But coupled with some other messages I've gotten the last few years, I'm willing to find out firsthand. Any of you ever heard of the Amechanos? Uh, yeah, that has, uh, Captain Lee, correct? Yeah. Old Wayland Utani freighter a few decades back. Uh, Vic Lee was uh, an old, um, friend of mine. Hmm. Well, it vanished about the same time Vic and I started investigating the death of my old man on company time. I didn't find it until around two years ago when a handful of messages came in. Messages from Vic. Of course, Vic was long dead by the time they sent, but... But still something I've been holding on to until the time was right. To use against the company. Mm. Anyway, you might have heard of the uh, signal satellite phenomenon. Uh, Martin gasps, like, excitedly. Uh, and is like full-fledged about to launch into like a whole like conspiracy theory about it almost um but quells his enthusiasm when Bugsy like gives him a look like this is not the time for that um and she continues and says 
it got solved around the same time I got the messages. Um, some research vessel, RSS Medea, figured out the cause was none other than the Amekanos. So I looked up some of the crew, and according to them, the Amekanos fell to mechanical malfunctions. Let's just say Vic did not agree. Which brings us to a few weeks ago. I get this. And they rotate their computer around to face you all. And on the green-tinted monitor, you see a message that reads, If your intent remains the same, the secrets of the Amekanos and the downfall of the company can both be found here. Sincerely, the Hollow One. And there's some coordinates, and Bugsley turns the computer back around and waits. Is there any information about who that Hollow One is? Nothing that I can find. No registered crew member that uh, could have sent it from that ship? No. I mean, as far as I know, as far as I can tell, there's no one in the Mechanos left alive. It didn't come from the Mechanos, I don't think. No one on the Medea seems to know anything about it, or if they do, they're not telling. I don't know. I can't find the pseudonym or nothing about it anywhere. But clearly they know something about me and have some sort of a vested interest in the same things I do. I see. Well, well, Chief, I, I have a lot of respect for Captain Lee from everything that I've ever heard about him. Uh, especially when it comes to the union. So, you know, I can't say I'm gonna help you solve this mystery, but I can get you there. You can count on me. Good. Vic was my friend. More than that, I know the company sent Vic out on that job to die. But if any of you wanna back out on this, no hard feelings. But if you are as sick and tired as I am of the way this company treats people, of the accidents and disappearances and the God knows what else, well, then you know when we leave. And she leans back and then dismisses you all with a tired nod. They've been in this fight for a long, long time. Maybe for the first time, you see it starting to wear on her. But I think Benson opens the door and leaps the way out of the office. Yeah, uh, Tink follows and um, is going to turn to Martin and clap him on the back and say, I guess I was wrong. You are coming. I totally gotta come! This is bad, though. In other news, the lack of a medic. I can't say that fills me with a lot of confidence, all things considered. But I mean, I get a come, so like, ah, how dangerous can it be? It's like a salvage job. Yeah, I hope it isn't dangerous um, for your sake and for everybody else on the crew. But uh, uh, what well, about we you? <laughs> well, of course, but it just seems odd to to send that kind of worry about myself in this situation. So that said, I think we ought to get ready. Um, it seems like uh, 
you're going to be stuck with the company people for a while. So just bear that in mind. Save those complaints as we have a long travel to go. Which, um, above table, how how much... Because if I remember correctly, there was like this whole like 20 years sleep that the other crew did. Like how how long is it going to take for us to get out there? Do we know? Um, long enough that you will be in the, the stasis, the... Uh... I don't remember what alien universe calls it, but you know, cryo sleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but like, it won't be a long shift asleep. It's yeah. out in the frontier. You're probably somewhere in the outer rim. So mm, give or take a couple months, maybe. Okay. Which will pass blink yeah. an eye for all of you. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think Benson gives a like a contempt, contemplative nod and then says, yeah, I'm still in. We certainly can't go without a medic and without an engineer. I think we gotta. We've already we've already made some tough choices in this lineup, so I'm glad you'll be here as well, Benson. Someone's gotta make up for the company people. This is so true. Um, Martin kind of like waffles for a little bit but he's pretty he, he's already like super interested held back a little bit by like the lack of a medic but it's like Bugsley's gotta Bugsley wouldn't send us if she didn't know what she was doing so she knows first aid at least minimum probably probably I've never seen it but like probably yeah I'm yeah. gonna go I got, like, what is it I gotta know I gotta know only one way to find out. And three rotations later, the Hera takes flight, and every single one of you are on board. You spend most of the trip in stasis before the onboard mother system wakes you about an hour before you're expected to arrive. Uh, Bugly, it seems, is already up, their pod empty. What do the rest of you do to get ready for... Whatever it is you're going to find when you arrive. Um, I think when Caroline gets up, the first thing that she does is grab, like, she has, like, a duffel bag um, and goes to, like, the first, like, restroom or whatever with the sink and the mirror and stuff, puts the duffel bag on the counter, takes out um, a gun, like some extra clothes and goes through it and then takes out like this big like roll-up bag that just has all of her skincare routine um because she's been asleep for a couple months and it's not like she needs to like re-up so she does the whole routine which takes about like half an hour before she says hi to anyone if anyone goes past she doesn't say anything yeah, Daniel is packed like it is like he's on a vacation. He's got like a rolling suitcase and a suit bag. Um, and once he's out of his sleep pod, um, he's so uh, where am I rooming? Is it a, is it a bunk situation or how, how are we doing it? Uh, when Dan asked that question, um, Tank coming out of um 
Stasis is going to go and just say, uh, I'll show you where it is. Um, so Tank sleeps in the front, uh, like by the door on the bottom bunk. Um, and when I lead Dan in, it's going to point to like the very last bunk on the top and say, this is where you will sleep. Oh, all right. Thank you. know, love a top bunk. Uh, reminds me, uh, reminds me of summer camp. Uh, very good. Uh, and just going to, I don't think, have we met properly? I don't think we have. Um, so Tank is just going to go very good. Uh, I'm the pilot. My name's Tank. Tank Manchi. Um, if you need anything regarding the flight, just let me know. Okay. Um, Daniel Strauss, friends call me Dan. Uh, it's great to, great to meet you. Great to meet you too, Daniel. And is going to walk back to the cockpit. <laughs> I think at this point, Caroline walks and is like, we're having a slumber party and no one told me. Uh, all right, then you'll... Where are you sleeping? Oh, uh, I point to the very last far end of the very last bed on the far end of the top bunk. It's, uh, I've been assigned back here, so. Are we are we assigned? See, it was, it was open. Um, you can uh, sit. You can uh, choose any of these beds up here in the front. They're all available. Uh, I don't think anybody else has made a decision yet. Okay. Think, uh, Martin and Benson both like very quickly move to their usual bunks and just like throw their stuff down. <laughs> All right. Well, got to keep a close eye on you, Daniel. So I'll be right with you. <laughs> I, I mean, it's fine on the ship. I think you can you can take it easy a little. I mean, it's not until we get to where we're going that they need to worry. Oh, Daniel, the last time I took it easy, I lost this pinky. I got it back. I, you know, I am sorry about the pinky incident. I have apologized. I know. I'm going to change. I'm going <laughs> to. Uh, Dan just goes over to the corner, like takes his suit out of his suit bag um, to change out of the like the hyper sleep pajamas they're in. Yeah. Uh Undies, cloth. basically yeah. just undies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think Tank, as as he's walking out, will also just get dressed, get his stuff, um, and head and head to the front. Mm-hmm. Which I think, like, just as you said, we're about an hour out, so he's just trying to do calculations. You make sure everything's aligned, everything's good with the ship, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the cockpit, you find uh, Bugsley is sitting there, um, just going over some. Uh, Paper paperwork, um, and gives you like a nod when you come in. Everyone else up? Yeah, they're all getting there. How are we looking? On course. Don't see much of anything yet. Just a planet coming up there, but might be where we're headed. Hard to see it so far, but we'll know when we get closer. Sounds good. We'll just stay on path. Mm-hmm. Um, you better with the navigation equipment. Do you uh, see this planet anywhere on it? Do I see the planet? Uh, on the charts. 
Oh, um, I don't know. Do I, do I see the planet on the charts? Do I need to roll something for that? I could have you roll for it because because I want to. Okay. Um, why don't you roll me a comtech comtech roll? Okay, so I just double click on comtech. Is that how this works? Yeah, if you just click on the word itself, it should roll both your ability and your skill together and give you the result. Okay, one success. One success is all you need. Um, no, you don't see this planet on the chart anywhere. You see the physical planet out the window in the distance. Like, it's off far enough that you're like, hmm, that's probably a planet, but it's kind of distant. But there's nothing on the charts anywhere nearby that has a planet Certainly nothing within range of where you're physically seeing one. Hmm. Can I talk to the mother uh the ship? Is that mm-hmm. we can do that, yeah. right? Hey mother, uh why why is this planet not on any of these charts? What planet are you talking about? Planet that we're flying to. It's there uh, is no planet listed at those to that location. Uh, I think Tank is going to pause for a second and look over at Bugsley. It's going to... Does this... Bugsley, does this match uh, the information that you had? The idea of the information that you had, I I guess? Well, uh, I guess a secret planet would certainly be interesting. I don't... Off the top of my head, can't think of what that has to do with the Mechanos or Wayland yutani but I suppose we'll find out when we're closer. I suppose so. Um, while we're flying that direction, I would like to, without announcing it, I would like to add the planet to the charts. Okay. Um... And, it, and even if it's yeah. a separate chart, like maybe just like a chart only for the ship sure. or something, but something that where it's like we can catalog this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I would say that's easy enough for you to do. Are you going to name it? Ooh. <laughs> no, because I'm terrible at naming things. Um, okay. <laughs> I guess we can name it. We should name it after um, the ship that we're trying to save or oh, look, at, look for. Yeah. Let's do that. That's what he's going to name it. That's going on my notes. It's going in my notes. Um, okay, great. Um, secret planet is now named a Mechanos. So is there like, in terms of, I, I know it's not on the charts, but like in terms of like radar and whatever other scanning stuff like we're still able to like everything's showing up the way it's supposed to show up we're like any obstacles in space are showing up the way they're supposed to like none of that is wrong um yes and no other Hmm. things yes the planet not on the computer screen at all it is not registering uh and then sorry last question are we flying into the planet not into it, uh, but you do seem to be on trajectory, like right, if not directly on it, then like very, like within orbit of it. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. Well, I'll just let everybody know 
Uh, hey, everybody, in like 45 minutes, we're going to have to buckle up because uh, can't be, I won't be able to fly with the instruments. So the eyesight only, you'll probably want to be in a seat. Uh, Bugsley just kind of claps you on the shoulder in a trusting kind of way. And whispers to Caroline, is that, is that, is that normal? Nope. Just make sure you have all the seatbelts on, please. Yeah, I, I know. I know. I know how to buckle a seat. I just, it seems weird that we'd be landing without instruments. Yeah, no, you were 100% correct. Maybe even against protocol? Who could say? Oh, you could say. I Hey, listen, I... My job, I'm not a safety inspector, all right? And if I see some safety violations, it's technically not my job to report. So, um... As long as everybody comes out in one piece, it's okay. Oh, Daniel, you're so fun. I'm gonna go see what's going on, though. You just don't get don't don't get in trouble. Yeah, don't get in trouble. How would I get in trouble? <laughs> Caroline has walked out the room. <laughs> I think yeah, Caroline would like to go to. Does does she have access to like the pilot's deck or the cockpit or whatever, the bridge? Uh, I think at the moment, since there's people in it, you can like walk in pretty easily. Like the door isn't locked. Yeah, I think Caroline will like just basically head straight there. Is like, um, question: Why are you going sight only for this landing? That's like definitely pretty whack, right? Well. This planet is giving our sensors some trouble. And so uh, in order for us to be able to land safely, I got to be able to do this on my own with my own eyesight uh, and my own ability to pilot, which I happen to be very good at. So it's not meant to worry you or anybody else on the ship. Uh, This is just uh, keeping your safety in mind because without those systems, I have less time to see what's coming. And so I have to react as they come. What planet exactly are we landing? Like, look, I know like I'm the stranger here, but I'm just like hired gun. I don't know a lot. I think I'd like to know a little bit more now. Well, uh, this planet is called the what is it the Amechanos? The Amechanos? Yeah, yeah, that's what you named it. Yeah, this planet is called the Amechanos. I think Bugsley gives you like a side eye at that, but does not say anything. All right, and what what are we looking for? Because if things are not working, this has shitty written all over it. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, What is your role here? I am the bodyguard. Yes, I know. I just need you to understand that the things that we do, the three of us that are here in this cockpit before you arrived, this is it. We understand our jobs. 
we know what we're doing. Uh, the company pays for us to do our jobs. And so I think it would be in everybody's best interest if we were able to do them without question. Now, I don't mean to be rude, but as we approach this thing, I do need to concentrate. So please go make sure Daniel is secure in some seat and uh, no offense to you at all, but we got to make this work the best we can with the tools that we have, including us flying this plane. No, I didn't think everyone would be so gung-ho about this. Fine, I'll go. Don't worry, I won't file an HR complaint. But I'm going to leave you alone for now. Tank is going to type in an HR complaint to file away for later. It's <laughs> 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 just going to draft it and then put it away in a file. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, yeah, uh, I think the last like 30 minutes or so pass fairly uneventfully. Um, and then you come up on the coordinates that uh, Bugsley got from the mysterious Hollow One message. Um, and you find that they stop at a point where this big white and blue planet is taking up the entire left side view, Cole probably, uh, and you've already noticed this, that it's not on the computer screen at all, but it's really weird up close, and it's still not on the computer in any way. It's like not even, it's not pinging any, anything. Anything that should be pinging, not pinging. Um, which is honestly a miracle that you didn't fly into it, considering the computer didn't know it was there in the first place. But then, directly in front of you, another computer anomaly, a space station. On the smaller side, and without so much as a name scrawled on the exterior, a completely dark space station, except for one single light coming through a window near the top, dimming, then brightening, then dimming, then brightening. And this station, is sitting at the exact point of those coordinates. I think Tank's going to look to Bugsley and say, uh, it's like that's our destination there. Bugsley, like, squints at it real hard and then says, well, that's different. Yeah. Well, unfortunately... Everything that we're reading off of this is showing up nothing. So, um, but if this is where we need to go to find out what happened to Captain Lee, then I'll land us there if you want me to. Let me call up the crew real fast. Uh, and Bugsley makes an announcement over the loudspeaker. Uh, that's just crew. Can you report to the cockpit, please? Just crew. Only crew. Thank you. That's not us. That seems a little... That seems a little exclusionary. Um, we're also here on this mission, so right now we're crew, right? Caroline is, like, filing her nails and just like, you're so right. 
should we do about it? I, yeah, I'm, I, you know what? As far as the manifest for this mission is concerned, I'm crew. I'm going to go to the cockpit. Um, is Caroline going to go? Like, sees Daniel, like, and it's like thinking about it and just like, just her smile just like suddenly drops. Just like, oh, all right, fine. If you're going, I'll go with you. Uh, I think by the time you get to the cockpit, the other ones are like the other crew members are already like in the middle of the discussion. And then you walk in and Bugsley's face is just like real annoyed. But you see them kind of file something away <laughs> and they don't stop you from joining. Um, and they even give a little recap, which is so the salvage job is this uh, station over here. As you all can see, it is of a unknown status, which is to say we're not entirely sure what's over there or who's over there, if anything's over there other than salvage for uh, traditional safety measures. Some of you are new. We usually send about half the crew over to do a little reconnaissance and then send over whoever is necessary to get the job done. Given the nature of it, I'll ask for volunteers or we can draw for it. Yeah, I think just like given what's going on, I think Tank can see like the need of why we're here and trying to retrieve everything. And so I think Tank is going to volunteer um, to go. I think it would make sense to go. Daniel, not to take away your bodyguard, but um, having somebody else who can handle themselves if we need to uh, would be that would be a good idea. Offering up to bring Caroline. Sorry, I thought it wasn't crew. Well, you walked into the room, so what did you I, think? I, well, Daniel walked into the room and I'm protecting Daniel. It just brings us back to the thing. It sounds like your skills would be useful here. Um, and, you know, is, is this even a Weyland yutani satellite? Intel says, yeah. Actually, right. says without any clue whatsoever. Caroline, like, rolls her eyes and just like, all right. Yes, I understand. I'll go with you. I could definitely take care of myself. I could help take care of you as well. Um, and I think it would be good if either Benson or Martin came along, just because, like, if we can get the ship or station, the satellite back up and running, uh, that would be helpful to have power and get sensors and all that stuff. Martin is very excited to go. Yeah. He's He's vibrating in place. He has not had any coffee yet, but you would never guess. He has that energized vibe of someone who started their day with three espresso shots and is already thinking it's following it up with a Red Bull. <laughs> you and me both, Martin. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think, yeah, Tank kind of 
make sure. Well, I stopped the land, but uh, you know, just like, all right. Well, uh, if we're taking count, then that puts us at three, right? Myself, Caroline, and Martin. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Bugsley looks at you, Daniel, and says, "You know, we've got the extra spacesuit. Consider a job shadow opportunity." You know, I I know my way around a com tech. I could, and I did say I would make myself useful. So this is that weight that needs pulled. Sure, I'll go along as well. Caroline is upset. All right, rest of you know the drill. Go over, scope it out. Any problems, come straight back. Hell yeah. Tank, uh, line is up. So I have a talent called Full Throttle. Okay. That if I have to roll to decelerate, um, okay. I get a plus two. I don't know if does that does this would this be a situation that counts? You would have to decelerate so that you can line up the two airlocks of the space station and the I don't know what's called the wrong ship and the Hera. Yeah, yeah. Um, old habits, man. And um, and then you have to get them into like linked. Uh, orbits around the planet so that you can extend the umbilical between the two of them and have that be a steady connection that won't like tear out halfway through so it takes a lot of skill so by all means give me that uh, roll and you can add your plus two. Okay so how does that Um, work? So if you if you right click on piloting it'll let you add a modifier and you can add your two that way just okay. make sure you don't add 20. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I see 20 dice run across the screen. Oh, no. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, I'm very good at this. Uh, yeah, three successes. Stunt. It is stunt in time. Um, the little, the little um, mechanical icon next to your skill, if you click on it, it'll tell you all your stunts you can have. And you get one stunt per extra success. So you rolled three successes. You only needed one. The rest of them are stunts. Gain a plus one modification to a later school roll. So a later piloting roll? Mm-hmm. So a later piloting roll, you'll get a plus one. You have okay. to remember that because I never will. Yeah, um, and then you also get to show off. Plus one. Okay. Two piloting. Um, yeah, I think, especially like having... Caroline question whether or not like it would be safe for me to be able to fly the ship in and land. Um, there's very much like a like we kind of come in and I think like the satellite just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, like faster than people who aren't pilots are comfortable with. And then we decelerate. And as we decelerate, like the little uh, I'm assuming that the ship follows the same rules as the expanse. So just bear with me where it's like, we have these little air throttles that like kind of float us in the direction we need to go. And so as the satellite is slowly uh, rotating in space, we're rotating with it and kind of land as both uh, vessels are moving. And uh, yeah, and it's smooth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, you get uh, like locked on right on with the same trajectory of uh, the station and line up the airlocks perfectly. The umbilical extends out like a dream, hooks across the other side, 
And now all that remains is for those who want to go is to suit up and get across. Hell yeah. Um, I think as we're like everybody, after we land and, and everybody's getting ready to leave, I'm going to pull Caroline aside real quick and let uh, let the other two walk on by. Uh, I just wanted to uh, apologize. You're totally fine. Look, I don't like Waylon Yutani. I think y'all being so gung ho for them is a little silly, but it's your job. It's good to be proud of your job. Oh, you misunderstand. I'm apologizing for the fact that you have to work with Daniel. They like put their hand over their chest. Thank you. It's so hard. I can tell. Um, but, uh, at least he's got you to keep him alive, so. At least. <laughs> I need to make just, sure they don't go walking to any carnivorous plants. Just don't do your job too good. And then, like, claps you on the shoulder and walks out. <laughs> what does that With, like, mean? a very soft chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It takes him to go get suited. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the four of you suit up. Daniel and Caroline and Tank and Martin Estrada. Um, and you wait for the airlock to do its thing. You cross through the umbilical. And as you gaze at the dark door on the other side, with the rest of the crew focused on your walk and not really paying attention to anything else, I don't think anyone really notices the shadow that darts past the only light at the top of the station. It's a little early, but I think we'll end this episode here. So thank you for joining us here in the cold of space. Remember, no fact in the universe will make it love you. I have been your game mother, and we have been Goblets and Gays adjacent with the incredible Michelle Jones and Navarre joining myself and Dusty. You can find us at Goblins and Gays all across the internet, including Twitch. Navarre and Michelle, where can we find you? Mimi, please go first. Okay. Uh, most places I want to be found, I am Alesha Kills. That is A-L-E-S-H-A-K-I-L-L-S. Um, except for on the terrible website that used to be called Twitter. Uh, and you can find me at Navar SNP. That's N A V A A R S N P um, on Twitter and Blue Sky. And uh, the SNP stands for Seeking Your Podcast, which has been sleeping for all of this year, but it's going to wake up something fierce. Um, so pay attention, Secret NRD Social, and um, be excited. Yeah, that's it for me. Keep an eye on the vents. You never know what's lurking in them. Say goodbye, Hera Crew. Bye. 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 You don't own me.